Good afternoon. Welcome to our first NextGen online service. You know, it's something many of you have cried out for, and now here it is, the NextGen online service. I have the privilege of being your first preacher. So let's get down to the sermon. It was June 2009. I had been working in Shanghai for about two years, and my career was progressing well. I had a promotion, I became a department head, and my wife and then-girlfriend was also there on an overseas internship. You know, we have been dating for over a year in Singapore on long-distance relationship, so it was really pretty cool that we were finally able to date together at the same geographical location. She was due to return to Singapore in July that year, and her final university uh, year was going to begin. You know, the plan, well, my plan at least, was always to establish my career in Shanghai, and then maybe after we get married, after Hui and I got married, we would move over to Shanghai and we would begin our married life there for the first couple of years until God spoke to me. And he said, go back to Singapore. And then everything changed. So, in July that year, instead of sending Hui Yi off at the Putong International Airport as planned, I ended up boarding the plane with her with seven big luggages. And I returned home. So God told me, return home. What would you do if God says to you, go to the land which I will show you? Do you act blur and stay put? Do you wait for the right time to act? Or do you simply obey, pack up and go? What would you do? Today, we will learn to worship God by trusting in His divine plans and following it even when it doesn't make sense. Have you ever felt like maybe your plans were logically better than God's plans? Have you ever felt like God's plans didn't make sense in your current situation? Have you ever felt like your circumstances are so difficult it just can't be God's plans? Or maybe your job situation is so unpleasant right now that you cannot understand why God would put you through this pain. Or maybe you just received a job offer that makes absolute financial sense, but it just doesn't align with what God has put in your heart to do. Or maybe your final academic year in university was cruelly cut short because of COVID-19. Or maybe all your study schedules that you have diligently followed, they are now irrelevant because of the national circuit breaker. I'm talking about those with jobs affected by COVID-19 or those on the medical front lines. I'm talking about those who are pressured to take on their only available job offer, fearing that no other job offers will come along the way. I'm talking about those who are finishing their final semesters of university from their bedrooms, especially those who had to return abruptly from an overseas college. I'm talking about those who are anxious about their O-level and A-level preparation. What do you do when you trust God's plans, but you doubt God's methods? Thankfully, there was someone in the Bible whose life demonstrated God's faithfulness in rescuing and blessing the nations through his life. Today, we're going to launch a new sermon series called Jia, J-I-A. It's actually Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but read from right to left, just like in Chinese, Jia. And it will track God's faithfulness through the family lines of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, frankly, I was going to title my sermon, Leaving on a Camel. But you know, I think what is more culturally relevant to you in this day and age is if I name my sermon, 
into the unknown. And yes, I can hear the music that's playing in your head too. My big idea is that God demonstrates His perfect faithfulness in rescuing and blessing others through your imperfect life. So let's open up our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 9. The first point that I have for you today is we are called. We are called to join God in His missional plan. So let's read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 together. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will make you a blessing unto others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now get this right. Abram didn't initiate in the making of his own legendary status. God did. God was the ultimate initiator. Abraham was simply a promise receiver. Get this. Even the land he was to go to had to be shown by God. What did Abraham have? Nothing except God's personal spoken word to him. Everything was contingent on God to maintain his promises. Abraham only had one thing to do and it was the hardest thing ever to do. Leave. Not only that, God wasn't explicit in His direction. All He said was, leave what's familiar and go to what's foreign. Imagine God telling you that. Leave Singapore. Leave Grace Assembly. Leave your grandparents. And then you'll be asking God, God, to where? And then God says, to a land. And then you ask, where is that land? And God says, I will show you. I'll be looking at God and saying, okay, thanks, bye. In other words, leave the safety of your nation, leave your spiritual and social circle, leave the comfort of your family support and go into the unknown. Now let's observe the promises God made during Abram's posterity and prosperity. Firstly, it takes great faith for Abram to believe that he could become a great nation when he was childless at 75 years old. Next, the idea of blessing Abram is so that he can bless other people. Now, that means that Abram can only be a blessing to others if he leaves his comfort zone. Thirdly, being famous or having widespread influence across several generations is something that's God's idea. Get this, fame is God's divine gift, not man's daily grind. Let me say that again. Fame is God's divine gift not man's daily grind. What a contrast to what the people in the Tower of Babel were trying to do in Genesis chapter 11. They tried to achieve their own fame. Fourthly, God tells Abram that he should expect others to curse him. What a strange thing to include. Why? So that God can demonstrate his protective care over man's destructive curses. Yes, God's protective care trumps man's destructive curses. Now finally, for all the families on earth to be blessed through Abram means that you and I, who actually have no direct ancestral links to Abram, we get to partake in this covenantal blessing. And that's why Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29, it tells us, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abram. 
You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Did you get that? We are recipients of God's promise to Abraham. This includes all those who are not yet Christians. Now you see, when Judah was born, my son, uh, one of the first few documents I received as his father, besides his birth cert, is this Notice of National Service Registration Letter from the Trinity of Army, Navy and Air Force. It tells me that around 18 years later, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased with, will also be enlisted into national service. Now, believe it or not, I was actually beaming with pride for Judah. I am convinced that NS isn't just something he has to do, but something he gets to do. And whether he likes it or not, he has no choice. Whether he wants it or not, he has no choice. At one day old, I see him suck thumb to receive that letter. And maybe at 18 years old, I will also see him suck thumb to enlist into BMT. You know, in the same way, when you become a Christian, regardless of how old you are, you get that same notice for Christian registration letter from the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Christian service registration. If you want to read more about that letter, you can go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20. Now this means, whether you realize it or not, whether you embrace it or not, you have already been enlisted into God's mission for the salvation of the world. The fact is, God who has called Abram has also called you. Question is, how would you respond to God's call for you to join Him in His missional plan? If you ever think that your life is too messed up to be used by God, if you ever feel that your family is too average to be a part of God's plan, think again. God used a childless 75-year-old man and sent him into the unknown to make him a blessing to generations of people he would never have known. I believe that God can demonstrate His perfect faithfulness in rescuing and blessing others through your imperfect life. And to do that, you must first recognize God's missional call in your life and join Him in that plan. Point number two that I have for you is that we have to respond. And how do we do that? By getting out of our comfort zone. If you take a look at the next few verses, starting from verse 4 in chapter 12 of Genesis, the Word of God reads, So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram travelled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreth. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Now before we understand what Abram left for in Canaan, we should understand what he left behind in Haran. Family, inheritance, security in land, identity as a farmer, and familiarity of 75 years of livelihood. Now consider what getting out of his comfort zone in Haran practically meant. Uprooting his entire family, all the livestock, servants, possessions, and taking a long and arduous journey with the mothership and possibly family opposition from the staying party as well as from the travelling party. Now then consider what reaching the discomfort zone in Canaan practically meant. He couldn't settle in because the Canaanites were still there. 
Imagine arriving at Canaan and then feeling played out by God because the Canaanites were still occupying the land that God promised Abram. He had to settle for an interim plan at Morah near Shechem while trusting and waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Get this, getting out of your comfort zone is described as what it is. Getting out. You've got to get out. You know, sometimes we think that when God calls us out of our comfort zone, it's because He's leading us into another comfort zone. Most of the time, we exit a comfort zone to enter a challenge zone. When God got Abraham to exit his comfort zone, it wasn't to go to somewhere that was very comfortable. It was actually to go into somewhere that was even more uncomfortable. When God put in my heart not to extend my SAF contract and to leave after I ORD, I had a desire to serve God by going full-time uh, in church ministry. And I actually really wanted to serve in the creative arts department, but I didn't end up there. In, in, instead, I found myself in Shanghai and I was in the beverage business instead. In Shanghai, I had a desire to serve in my church's uh, worship ministry, but God impressed upon my heart to leave what I was used to doing, which is in worship, ministry, being a worship leader. And I had no idea where God wanted me to serve. So what I did was that I didn't join the worship ministry and I went to my cell leader and I availed myself to him. After serving in the cell group for about nine months, you know, my cell group, we grew kind of really big, so big that we could multiply. So my cell leader approached me and asked me if I was keen to help him lead the multiplied cell. I prayed about it and God impressed upon my heart, strangely, to leave my cell leader's offer and not to take it up. Now, this was only after a year in Shanghai um, that God started to open up um, doors to serving in the next-gen ministry and in preaching, which is what I am doing today. Frankly speaking, I had to leave several comfort zones before I finally went to where God was calling me to. My job was actually simply responding obediently by leaving and going. Now today, if God has called you to do something, He usually starts by simply saying, leave. And maybe He won't describe the destination. Your response is simply, go, without knowing where you're going sometimes. So what is God speaking to you today about giving up? What do you need to leave behind before you can go to another place? Abraham gave it all up, not because he was great then, but because God was about to take him on a journey to make him even greater later. I believe, really believe that God can demonstrate His perfect faithfulness in rescuing and blessing others through your imperfect life. The next step after joining God's missional call upon your life is to respond obediently by leaving your comfort zone and by going towards a challenge zone. And that brings me to my final point today, which is we've got to worship. Worship that takes place wherever you go. That's my point number three. Worship takes place wherever you go. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 12, starting from verse 7. This is what the Word of God says. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram travelled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Then Abram continued travelling south by stages towards the Negev. Now don't miss this. 
in communicating with Abram, God went from 2D to 3D, from Super HD to Ultra HD, from VR to AR. You get the point. You see, God spoke to Abram in verse 1 by speaking to him. Now, in verse 7, God is now appearing to Abram. There was a communication progression. Now, the technical term for this is called theophany, which is a way of augmenting an audition, which is when God first spoke to Abram, to heighten the dramatic force and to reinforce the claim that a divine intervention has occurred. So from speaking to appearing, it is to reinforce that something pretty amazing has taken place. Now, what's the purpose of this theophany? It is to assure Abram that God's presence will be with him. Now, after God appeared to Abram, this is when God communicated the exact same message. He says, I will give this land to your descendants. Watch the two key words here. Land and descendants. Meaning, Abraham will have land and he will also have descendants. But get this, where he is right now, right outside Canaan, about to get into Shechem, he's currently landless and childless. It takes great faith to trust God for that specific promise. I will give you land and descendants. And I hope you don't miss this too. God didn't say, I will give this land to you. But God said, I will give this land to your descendants. If Abram had any insight, he would know that God is telling him, son, not in your lifetime. Or in simpler English, God was saying to Abram, my promise will be fulfilled after you are dead. This is a good time to hear all the crickets going off in Abram's life. In fact, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, they were going to live as nomads with no land. In other words, 家没有家. Or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had no land and no family at that current moment. Yet, don't miss this. Yet, Abram set up an altar at Moreh. It was the first time in history that Abram's God was being worshipped in a new land. Setting up an altar is metaphorically declaring that that's where heaven meets earth. Now, where does heaven need to meet earth in your life? Set up an altar there and worship the Lord there where nobody has ever done before. Abram carried the promises of God and he set up an altar and worshipped wherever he went. He was prophetically claiming that land to be a part of God's promised land to him. Worshipping wherever you are is an act of faith that claims or reclaims that part of your life to belong to God. Worshipping stamps God's authority in that particular part of your life. Now let's see what worship looks like to Abram. When he set up an altar at Moreh, he had already gone through a lot of inconvenience, a lot of hardship, and yet nothing that God promised had been fulfilled. Still, he worshipped. Nothing had been done, but he still worshipped. My friends, worship doesn't take place when the conditions are right. Worship doesn't take place when your favourite song is sung. Worship doesn't take place when your preferred worship team is leading. Whether, in, whether you're in Bethel or Agape or Emmaus, whether you are in your studying room, living room or bedroom, because worship is not about you. Worship is not about you. 
Abraham shows us that worship should take place wherever we are, whatever the circumstance, whomever we are with, and however we feel. That's truly worshipping in spirit and in truth. Next gen, we don't need a building to do church. We don't need a hall to do service. We don't need a gathering to do community. We don't need music to do worship. We don't need Wednesdays to do J333. Worship simply takes place wherever we are so long as we are with God. So let's join God's missional call. Let's exit our comfort zone. And let's worship wherever you are. Because when you are doing that, you are actively participating in God's demonstration of His perfect faithfulness in rescuing and blessing others through your imperfect life. Now today, are you an active participant or are you just a mere spectator in experiencing God's faithfulness? Don't be a spectator, be a participant. Today, I want to invite you to recognize God's missional call in your life. You are a part of His salvation plan for the entire world. In this circuit breaker, who will you reach out to? Don't let this month-long hiatus pass by without you inviting someone to change their spiritual status. Ask God for three names. A teacher, a friend, a fellow student, a relative. Ask God for three names. Draft a plan to contact them. And then take action to make this plan come to pass. My friends, people need the crucifix more than Netflix. Secondly, I want to challenge your idea of worship. In our first next-gen service together, I want you to realize that worshiping doesn't have a time, place, face, or situation. But if you are hoping for a theophany, it is likelier to happen when you are on your knees and not when you are an absentee. So make a plan to join us for all these services. Make a plan to read God's Word. Make a plan to join us for J333. And let me tell you, you will increase your chances of experiencing a theophany. And finally, I want to address a specific group of young people. You suspect that you have a full-time call of God upon your life. It could be within Grace Assembly or outside Grace Assembly. You know it. You need to ask God to give you the faith to embrace it. The first part of your call is to leave a career you thought you would embark on after you graduate or to leave a job that you are already in. Or maybe for some of you, it is to leave a particular occupation that has been assembled by MOE or your parents or yourself that God is challenging you to leave behind. Then the second part of this is to go. And my friends, it is my God-given mandate as the next-gen pastor in Grace Assembly to challenge you to pray about and to consider signing up for the Grace Apprenticeship Program or GAP as many of you know it. At the end of this message, I'll pray for you and I'll ask God to speak to you. I'm going to invite you to respond to God wherever you are. Maybe you're in your living room, you're in your bedroom, whether you're traveling on the bus, you make a response to God there and then. I want to invite you to be accountable to someone in RH or YYP about the three friends that you want to reach out to. It could be a teacher, it could be a, a fellow classmate, it could be a cousin, it could even be someone in your household. Tell that friend in RH or YYP about the other person that you're going to reach out to. And then I'm going to challenge and invite you to be accountable to your leader 
if you have had a wrong idea about worship and to repent from it. And then finally, at the end of this message, after I pray for you, I would love for you to speak to a full-time staff about the GAP program. If you have a full-time call upon your life, we want to journey with you to discover God's call upon your life. You know, I believe that God will demonstrate His perfect faithfulness in rescuing and blessing others through our imperfect life. But you know what's even better? God has already done that through a perfect life. And He did it through Jesus. You know, to us, it feels like Jesus, when He was about to ascend the cross, when He was about to go on to the cross, when He was about to die for us, it feels like to us, Jesus was going into the unknown, our unknown. But to Jesus, He was never going in, into an unknown. On the contrary, Jesus was going into the known. And what did He know? He knew that He was participating in God's mission to bring salvation to the world. It started with Abraham, and now it was going to be fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus always knew. He always knew that it was going to be painful. He always knew that it was going to be difficult. He always knew that it would eventually cost him his life. But it never surprised him. It was never unknown to him. He had to leave the zone of being fully God to go into the zone of being fully man. And Paul said it perfectly in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up His divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus showed us that through His life, His death and His resurrection, that He kept His eyes on His Father. He kept His mind on the mission and He kept us in His heart. Today, would you surrender your imperfect life to be used by a perfect God to demonstrate His perfect faithfulness in rescuing and blessing others? Let me pray with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Heavenly Father, today we want to come before you right in front of our screens. And Father, we want to invite you to flood our hearts, to flood our minds, and to remember that you are calling us to join you in your missional plan of salvation for the entire world. That salvation is not something that leaders do. That salvation is not something that pastors do. No, the idea of bringing salvation, this salvation plan to the people who do not yet know Jesus is something that all of us are a part of because you who have initiated this plan with Abram, you are now continuing this plan by inviting us to join you to save the world. And Father, we believe, O oh God, that if today we have the wrong idea of worship, Help us to remember that worship takes place wherever we go, Lord. Wherever we are, worship can take place right now, whether there is music or not, whether there are lyrics or not, whether there are instruments or not, whether there is another person sitting beside us or not. Worship takes place 
right now. And whenever we worship, Lord, we are, we are really coming to an intersection where heaven meets earth. And we are claiming that particular place to say, Lord, this domain of my life, it belongs to you, Lord. So Lord, if we have a wrong idea of worship, Lord, may you just help us to repent of it and help us to approach you with the right idea of worship. And finally, Lord, for those of us who have a full-time call in our lives, help us to remember that when you call us, it's not to go from one comfort zone into another comfort zone. No, Lord. When you call us out of our comfort zone, our response is to leave that comfort zone and our response is to go to a challenge zone. So Father, we pray right now through Wi-Fi, through internet waves, I don't know how, Lord, but I know that your Holy Spirit that is with me right now is also with the young people who are listening to this message, especially those who are about to graduate from uni, especially those who are in a mid-career transition. Father, I pray that you will speak to them right now about serving you full-time and may they take the step of faith just like Abram did to leave whatever that they thought that they should be in, to go into a place where they know you are calling them to, Lord. Would you give us this peace as we take a step of faith? And would you give us the grace to know that we are following a perfect God? Even when we are imperfect, Lord, your perfect faithfulness shines through us and allows us to bless people, to bless others and to love others. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Get connected with your cell groups, get connected with your leaders. And shortly after this, Pastor John will take you through some discussion questions. So hang around with us and take part in those discussion questions.